Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Your coordination and sound. Feel to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like... This is the Well and Good Podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Hi, I'm Abby Stone, executive editor here at Well and Good. For the past few years, we've been doing monthly panel discussions with interesting people on big topics, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about one I moderated recently about mental health. To set the scene, it was October, and we were eight months into the COVID-19 pandemic, and all of the resulting stress and loss and collective grief was really taking its toll. A survey conducted by the CDC in June of 2020 put the percentage of American adults struggling with mental health and substance abuse issues at 40%. A separate study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association in September found that the rates of symptoms associated with depression have been three times higher during the COVID-19 pandemic than they were before. But while these numbers are high, they're also somehow not really that surprising. I bet that even if you didn't know the statistics, you know that the state of mental health in America right now is shaky at best. So much so that starting conversations with, how are you, has at many times felt absurdly out of touch. Now, things are rapidly changing, and the mental place where we are today is different than where we were a year ago, or three months ago, or even yesterday. But I keep coming back to the advice given during this talk. Our experts' tips for dealing with things like the dangers of toxic positivity, holding space for our emotions, and finding ways for us to cope are maybe even more salient now as we think about re-entering this new normal version of our lives. We're just really trying to, to service the community in a time that is so uncertain. A lot of the feedback I received from our community is that Girls are just really feeling like alone. Like there was no transition to to even like say goodbye to your classmates or your friends. It was a, a very abrupt cutoff. And a lot of our community were trying to find spaces and places and try to basically imitate the same feelings they would get like from receiving a hug from a friend or, you know, just having real conversations in that way. That's filmmaker and activist Elise Fox, whose own experience with depression led her to found the nonprofit organization Sad Girls Club in 2017 as a way to create community for young women and girls looking for mental health support. I think that 
a lot of the like toxic positivity, people are kind of over that. So we're really trying to just shift and see how we can communicate more effectively. And I just want to be there to support like everyone who's feeling alone at this time. Ah, toxic positivity. Let me just say that when Elise made this statement, everyone on the panel was nodding along because we've all seen the chipper Instagram posts from influencers who will tell you to keep calm and carry on. We all have that friend, family member, coworker, who's constantly telling you to be grateful grateful for what you have have. or that everything Everything will be okay, okay, even when things feel very far from okay. Amanda White, licensed therapist and founder of the Therapy for Women Center in Philadelphia, had this to say about toxic positivity. So toxic positivity is essentially the phenomenon where we only really accept positivity and positive emotions as something that's acceptable. So that looks often like kind of the good vibes only. It looks like shoving down any type of negative feeling or negative emotion we have. And I think people are starting to at least acknowledge that we're not okay. So a lot of times it shows up if we have beliefs that it's not okay to be upset, it's not okay to show emotions, and that can spread in a negative way where if I, you know, won't show that I'm upset about something, then friends, family don't, and it can spread. So I think modeling is also important. Someone who prioritizes modeling her emotions for her own community is breathwork practitioner Jasmine Marie who founded the organization Black Girls Breathing in order to create a safe space for Black women to manage their mental and emotional health. I lead pretty much very transparent and vulnerable in our community. And I think that gives people a permission in a sense that, okay, like she does this work in her day to day and she's saying that I've dealt with feelings of anxiety. I dealt with, you know, feeling a depressive bout and normalizing uh, those experiences. I'm really big on saying like, I don't like to charge emotions. It's just the human experience. We're not a monolith. You can hold equal emotions. You can be grateful you have a job, but also understand that it's taxing you at this time. And just allowing and being a model for my community. And it's okay to experience more than one thing, right? Like sadness or anger isn't negative. It's just, hey, that's an indication what's happening. You know, this isn't a competition on how bad we can all feel and who's a winner in that. You can always have compassion for others, but that doesn't mean you have to neglect what you're going through because that does no one good, right? Like you still feel this way. Looking at their situation isn't going to change you feeling this way. Jasmine Marie's point about, let's call it the Depression Olympics, really struck me. Because in the scheme of things, I've been fine this past year. I have a job. I have my health. I have a healthy family. I have a safe, comfortable apartment in Brooklyn to live in. So why didn't I feel fine? Why was I tired all the time? Why did I have knots in my stomach? Why did the Sunday scaries creep into Monday, Tuesday, and all the way through to the next Sunday? And really, what right did I have to feel so low when others had experienced so much real grief and trauma? If we talk about from like a brain perspective, like your brain doesn't really care whether someone has it better than you or worse than you. Like you're going to have emotions, they're going to come up. 
they're a function. They're trying to tell you something. And while logically we can think about how we like should or shouldn't feel this way, emotions are data, emotions are information, and they're not always rational. And one of the big things that I talk about in my work with people is like giving up the idea that you're going to be able to figure out exactly how you should feel. You can feel more than one way and your emotions may not always make sense. And that's, that's okay. As long as you can feel them and work through them, that's the most important thing because we're not meant to just, you know, one of my big pet peeves, I think is like people saying that like your natural state is happiness. And that's just not true. We're meant to feel all different types of ways, depending on what's going on. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. When you're feeling all the feels, it can sometimes be really hard to know what exactly is going on. When that's the case, Amanda has these tips. I think one of the first things you can do if you're someone who does, and people do struggle to identify how they're feeling, is to start actually getting curious about your body sensations. Most of our emotional states actually have distinct sensations that come with them, and then those follow into thoughts. So it's really interesting. They've done studies, and actually, the more specific you can identify how you're feeling, it's called emotional granularity. The more specific you can identify, I feel frightened versus I feel scared, for example, or I feel frustrated versus feeling angry, the better you're going to actually be able to take care of yourself. Because if you think about kids, they only know a few words. So if you only know the words happy, sad, and angry, you're going to be happy, sad, or angry a third of the time. So the more breath we can get of really identifying how we feel in our body, identifying the words, the better we're going to be able to take care of ourselves. Sometimes can feel very like, ah, overwhelming to then get to know your body. But, you know, taking a moment, you know, maybe when you see that you're, okay, do a check-in, a five cents check-in or like take a particular body part, right? My face, okay, are my teeth clenched right now? Okay, maybe my jaw's tight, like what's happening? And just little by little, it's a practice. Listening to Amanda and Jasmine Marie, I realized how language can be limiting when it comes to how we talk about our emotions. For instance, a phrase you hear a lot is a roller coaster of emotions, but that makes it seem like you're experiencing your emotions, all of those highs and lows, one at a time on a single track. Really, if you're going to compare it to a carnival ride, for me, it's more like the Gravitron, which I think, is that ride where you walk in and then it spins really fast and you stick to the wall and the ground falls out and then by the end you don't know which way is up and which is down. 
this ride is fun and it's scary and it makes you want to throw up, or at least I do. And you're feeling all of these things at once in different measures. Here's what Elise had to share on the topic. If you don't have the language to speak about what you're feeling, how can you describe it to anyone? How can you share this information? When I first started Sad Girls Club, I was a mess. I could barely even like speak a sentence. And what helped me was just telling my story through film. So I'm really like big on educating a, a younger generation, the Gen Zs and even younger to just remove the stigma. I have girls who journal and that's the way that they speak about their emotions or just purge what they're feeling and kind of get a sense of what's going on in their head. And then from there, it's like, oh, okay, you can reflect and then have the conversation. I feel like, like Black women are usually the end of the totem pole and I feel like we needed something that was special, something that was unique, something like this is for women of color, this is for Black women, this is a safe space for you. And I think that's what um, resonated so well with the community that was built. And it's so cool to have these spaces finally exist and to be very vocal about, like we're taking up space, this is our space, and to have that kind of, that specialness. And that's something that's been missing, but I'm so happy and I'm so proud of like all of the women who are building these platforms out. I always say that you need to find the spaces you can be truly vulnerable with because not every space is safe to be vulnerable. And if you go into a space that's not safe for you to share this and it backfires, that further ingrains in your mind that I can't share this information. People will look at me, you know, one way. So identifying the spaces that, okay, I have some data and evidence that this person will be able to support me in this way if I open up this information or if I have access to a health, you know, a mental health care practitioner opening up in this way and they can help me further identify spaces that would nurture me being upfront and honest, I would say start there. Because um, there are times when when spaces are not safe and that further ingrains in a person that they shouldn't have shared in the first place. So identify the spaces you feel and have evidence that you can be truly vulnerable in. Something we touched on in our full conversation was how to continue to hold space for these places that allow people to feel comfortable sharing their discomforts. We discussed how the inaccessibility of therapy to many, especially to people of color, which is a topic that deserves its own episode, makes the community initiatives like the ones Elise and Jasmine Marie have founded all the more important for connecting people with the mental health support that they need. And in those times when a therapist or your community isn't accessible, I wondered what practices these three pros keep in their mental health toolkits. Jasmine Marie had this to share. I, I think great examples of relieving stress or frustration are children. And, um, and your body also naturally will do things like if something's frustrating, you make an audible uh, size. <sighs> so we incorporate some of those like, you know, very auditory ways of releasing energy, getting in your body. I love to yell, screaming into pillows, stumping around. I mean, it feels like what do children do? It feels good. Turn on the Netflix for a day. You know, it's okay to check if your world feels super heavy and it's hard grieving times, allow yourself to check out. You don't always have to stay in your body sometimes in that moment. Good escapism is as beneficial. So I would give those tips. Listen to yourself. What do you need? What are your go-tos? And trust yourself. Everyone is different. So what works for me may not work for you, but the goal is for you to be like, what does my body need? And, and for you to answer that for yourself. Elise's method is something I personally relate to hard. I love to like 
cancel plans, especially if I feel an ounce, like a little drip of I do not want to go or <laughs> I won't be here too long. And it's been easier to do, obviously, because of the pandemic. And then just like I feel really good when I set a boundary and I like hold on to the boundary that I set because I, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm someone who will set a boundary and then I'm kind of flimsy with it. So when I, I stay true to like, no, this is something I can't do. This is way out of my capacity right now. And then I follow through with it. I'm like, okay, like that's growth. And I can actually like see and view my growth. And Amanda left us with this. So I really am a big fan of focusing on what you can control. A lot of times for myself, if I'm feeling really overwhelmed and feeling like my normal coping skills aren't working, I'll split a piece of paper down the middle and write a list of things I can control and a list of things that are out of my control and really try to focus on like, what can I do today? What can I do today to take care of myself? What small plan could I make for this weekend? We can't really plan what's going to happen in the next few weeks or months and trying not to get focused on that and really stay in the moment. Because especially when our anxiety is really, really high, breaking things down into small moments, hour by hour, day by day is really one of the best things we can do for our mental health. This talk was really a bit of a light bulb moment for me in that I realized that I've been so much more generous with giving other people in my life space to hold their feelings than I've ever been with myself. I'm always telling my friends or coworkers to cut themselves some slack, to try not to be perfect. And I'm trying to ask them what I can do to support them in this. But when it came to my own negative feelings, I did the thing that Amanda was talking about. I squashed it all down in order to try and seem composed and strong. But what I realized is that sometimes acknowledging these feelings is a great start in lifting that burden. I'm not saying I've got it all figured out, but I do know that being able to admit when I'm feeling anxious really takes the pressure off. I can tell myself that it's normal to feel overwhelmed and that it's okay to just sit with it. Amanda, Elise, and Jasmine Marie really inspired me to find my own in-the-moment coping mechanisms. Now, when I get that hit-in-my-stomach anxious feeling, I like to get out of my head and into my body by doing a really long, hard workout and then taking a long, hot shower. Or when I feel like one more work email might send me spiraling, I call up a friend to meet for a walk with a side of venting. I hope you'll also find what works to ground you in this unstable world. This episode was produced by Taylor Camille, Ella Dove, and Kate Spees, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel. And our theme music was created by Madeline Lukomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette. Special thanks to Jess Friedman, Ali Short, Jen Snyder, and Cassie Wolf. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.